I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to see you. Thanks for joining. I'm noticing some dropped frame rates, and I'm only streaming at 1080p. So now, I only have to just cancel this whole thing altogether, because I'm going crazy trying to figure out what the hell. All right, I just trimmed my beard. Ha! And I have hair in my mouth. It's gross. Um, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Can you guys see me? Because uh, I'm showing like some serious problems here in drop frame rates. <sighs> Here's what I'm going to do. All right, <laughs> let's try this again. I don't know. I dropped it down to 720p. Um, I don't know what's going on. I have other channels that have no problems streaming at 4K and this one for some reason. Okay, that's enough of the streaming. If, uh, if we get interrupted, then that's just life and I'm just gonna deal with it. Welcome to Nine Cents. <laughs> it's great to have you. Happy day. Oh my gosh. Uh, I actually have an event that I'm going to be attending here shortly, and so I need to sort of wrap this show up. But I don't want to do you the disservice of not actually giving you a decent show. So I'm going to do both. I'm going to try to be as succinct as possible, too late, and give you some good content. And I hope you're going to join me for it because it's going to be a lot of fun. In The Devil's Advocate, we're going to be talking about our Satanists living in a mental cage. This is actually from one of you listeners. So thank you very much for sending that in. And an infernal informant, an arms race in America. Gun buying spikes during the pandemic, and it's still up. And then at the tail end of this show, I just felt like we needed this. I needed this. We're gonna visit a few of the more spectacular images from NASA's photo of the day gallery. And we're gonna have a little bed of classical music underneath it. As the images pop up, I'm gonna tell you what they are. But other than that, we're just going to have a moment of appreciation of our universe to close us out. So let's dive into it, shall we? <laughs> Don't want to waste any time. image up and we will start talking about this topic a uh, fun little image just for the sake of it so the question came in um, who would we as Satanists be without the awareness of others behaving on principles similar to our own and so you know it's framed around this idea of are we in a mental cage and for those of you unfamiliar with what that means, it means that you identify yourself initially in life by how others reflect on you. So, for example, your parents saying, oh, you're really shy or, um, you know, you're, you're, you're afraid of the dark because of the way you're acting or you're a crybaby because you whine a lot or, you know, other people are projecting their perceptions of you onto you. And that builds the walls of this cage in your mind to sort of box in who you are. But it's all based on external factors, not internal ones. Now, traditionally, what you do as a healthy human being is you break out of those boxes by discovering who you are as an individual. But in the context of Satanism, the religion, I thought it was an interesting point of conversation. Because re the religion itself was based off of 
disparate ideas from a, a, a myriad of different philosophies and, um, you know, objective views of uh, reality and society and individual behavior and the human animal that we are. Because it was sort of cobbled together from different sources, you can make the argument that, uh, wow, I am still getting this in trouble right now. It's holy shit. Um, you can still make the argument that um, this is not going to fucking work as a goddamn show. Can you guys hear me at all? This is going to fucking kill me. All right, give me a second. I'm going to come back with this. Oh, you can see and hear? Okay, I don't know what the hell's happening. Um, the preview on my uh, thing is just completely broken. Um, so because Satanism is cobbled together from all these different... Um, philosophies and ideas, it can be seen as external stimuli, external ideas, framing what it means to be a Satanist. And so, simply by its construction, and you could extrapolate this out to any religion, really, but simply by the construction of Satanism as a religion, are we then molded and stuck as being reactionary to others' perceptions of us? Now, certainly, you can argue that going through the Satanic Panic and even nowadays, to some extent, we're in a reactionary mode as a religion. Other people are saying, you are this, and we are reacting, saying, no, 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 this is actually what we are. We've been this way since the beginning, and this is how it started. And so our identity as an individual in a religion, as a Satanist, is entirely reactionary when engaging with the outside world. It is very rare you ever run into someone who actually knows what the religion is and just says, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what you are. Okay, that's great. Thereby not being reactionary. Which means that we are confined by other people's perceptions of us. That would be our mental cage that we are, we are trapped within, right? Arguably. Um, so then the other side of this, this question is the unhindered human animal forsakes all convention and takes on any form required in the quest of dominance. So, a Satanist is going to take whatever form is necessary in order to be in a position of dominance, which then reinforces this idea that we are not one single understanded statement. And we're not supposed to be. I mean, you know, we started, you know, nail jello to the wall or tapioca pudding or <laughs> whatever gooey substance you want to reference. And you can't nail down Satanism or a Satanist. But is that part of the problem? And I wouldn't have it any other way, but certainly it does mean that we individually, since there is no overarching understanding of what we are outside of one book, are we trapped in our own mental cages? And the actions that we take are those simply burying ourselves deeper inside this containment just so that we'll fit in with the rest of the world as we're moving about it and then just sort of living our own lives outside of the, the perceptions of the outside world. Are we content allowing the external views of our religion and ourselves to be caged? What would a Satanist look like if you removed their emotional consideration of others? Would they even be considered man in such a state? So, in this argument, I want to sort of take a step back and uh, sort of break this down a little bit. So the, the presumption is, through this question, is that Satanists are what they are and who they are based on our own emotional considerations of others, right? So we engage with other people in certain ways because we want to either manipulate them through lesser magic or it's because we've chosen to love them and, and it's our own emotional consideration that dictates how we react. I don't know how that's different from anyone else, but in the context of this question, um, what would we as a, a Satanist look like if we did not take that emotional consideration into consideration? <laughs> 
And I would say that we would, you know, to answer the question, we would probably look like people with a lobotomy. <laughs> you know, we, if, if there's no emotional consideration for how we engage with the outside world, and it's all just literary, fact-based percentages, I think we would look like the vast majority of other human beings on this planet that are very fear-based reactionary creatures. You know, we would only operate based on societal and cultural biases off of rules that were framed for us. And that would, you know, <clears throat> that would actually prove the original question. If we remove our emotional component as human animals, as Satanists, relying on it in order to help guide us through our, our different engagements in life, and we're only operating on facts that the outside world gives us, then they are literally putting us into a mental cage. And we are then purely reactionary to what they, um, how they frame us rather than having our own free will in order to make our own choices, in order to find a third side perspective to a situation. So I don't, I think we wouldn't be Satanists if we, uh, rejected the emotional consideration of others because it's based on our own choices whether or not we do right we don't go around asking other people how they would feel if we did this or that to them but you also don't have to burn someone down in order to manipulate them and get something that you want anyway um would we be considered man in such a state and i'd say yeah that's what we're doing right now and then he asks, is there a correlation between Satanism and sociopathy, uh, ASPD? Um, I think this is based on part of the definition of sociopathy and not all of it. And so this is a quick answer for me, but I want to give you the definition of sociopathy so we all are on the same page for the basis of this question. The definition of sociopathy is that it refers to a pattern of antisocial behaviors and attitudes, including manipulation, deceit, aggression, and a lack of empathy for others. Sociopathy is a non-diagnostic term, and it is not synonymous with psychopathy, though the overlap leads to frequent confusion. Sociopaths may or may not break the law, but by exploiting and manipulating others, they violate the trust that the human enterprise runs on. So the assumption behind the question is because we use lesser magic um, based on our own feelings and don't feel bad about manipulating others to get what we want and we uh, practice greater magic and we destroy people through the act of greater magic when it when it behooves us when they've asked for it through their actions does that mean we are sociopaths <laughs> no no it does not that's it, it's a it's it's a, a ridiculous comparison because it ignores the fact that we don't lack empathy i mean certainly maybe there are psychopath or uh, sociopathic satanists out there but as a religion as an identity you don't have to be uh, a sociopath in order to be a satanist i mean you you can have i have massive empathy for those that i choose to have empathy for a sociopath doesn't have that freedom of choice they just are devoid of it so simply because we have the choice, because we decide when or when not to manipulate someone, when to destroy someone without regret, because again, they ask for it through their actions. I think that straight up proves that we could not possibly be sociopaths. Um, so the defining characteristic of the sociopath is a profound lack of conscience a flaw in the moral compass that typically steers people away from breaking common rules and towards treating others decently. This disconnect, however, may be hidden by a charming demeanor. There's both art and science to spotting sociopathy. Um, and so that's, that's where I think we need to uh, be able to draw that line. Is it a choice? Are you choosing to reject the natural empathy that you share for other human animals in order to get your will um, be done or do you not feel that empathy at all in the first place and when something bad does happen based off of your choices do you feel bad about it whether or not you do anything about that is an entirely different question but do you have a conscience 
Do you examine possibilities and would you feel bad if certain outcomes were to be realized? And I would argue that the majority of people I've ever met that identify as Satanists do have a conscience. They know how to treat other human beings responsibly, respectfully, and they make the choice whether or not they do. So there's no way that you could ever just blanket statement say simply because we have tools in satanic magic at our disposal to use that by using them we are therefore sociopaths that's a ridiculous idea so let's not let's not even entertain that notion any further um i want to go back to uh you know another part of his question and it's rounding out to um it's arguable that the willful manipulation of others and their environments through lesser magic is analogous to the actions of someone with aspd coercing an unknowing participant into a perception of reality that they would likely have denied had it been brought to their attention. So that's saying through the act of using lesser magic, it is analogous to ASPD. And I would say, no, that's like saying riding a go-kart is analogous to winning a NASCAR race. You're in a vehicle going quickly, as quickly as the vehicle will allow you to go around a track, but they're completely different. They're completely different. One is just you having fun and one is a sport competition. In the same way that a sociopath manipulating someone else without their knowing willingness to be manipulated is doing so without empathy, without conscience to their own ends, we, through lesser magic, use conscience, respect, and empathy in order to decide if and when and who we manipulate and why. Massive difference. You can argue that it's the same playground, and I would still disagree, but simply because something has elements of relatability to something else does not mean A equals C every single time. They're just on either side of B. That's it. I hope that makes sense um, in the way I'm, I'm trying to present it. A foreign observer, he argues, would likely view greater magic as a delusional frolicking of one's own ego. I don't believe that's a true supposition. I think it depends on the context that you describe the ritual and the context of the two of you meeting. If you just walked up to someone at the grocery store and said, Hey, I just destroyed someone through satanic ritual today in my uh, ritual chamber. It was a great psychodramatic dramatic experience. Well, then, yeah, they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's crazy. But if you're having a philosophical or a religious conversation with someone who is a willing participant of said conversation, they would see no difference between someone, and I'd see a difference, but the average person would not, between some religious uh, Islamic Judeo-Christian religion uh, member praying to their God for an outcome and a Satanist going through psychodrama to realize an outcome. Like, to them, from a third party, there would be no difference between the two. We, and I've done entire shows based around the difference that does exist there. And so the, the argument of a foreign observer viewing greater magic as delusional frolicking, I mean, that it, the, the, the assumption is that it's someone who doesn't understand that ritual is a part of human beings from the beginning of human beings existing. Even Cro-Magnon uh, Cro man had rituals. They had burial rituals. Um, so for all of human existence that we have been able to trace, we've seen ritual being a part of it. So to see that as um, a delusional frolicking is actually the minority opinion of anyone. It wouldn't be the foreign observer, it would be the extremely rare militant atheistic who denies their human animal heritage that would view it that way. And in which case, I would say, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me how other people perceive, and it's certainly a massive minority of a type of person like that. Uh, so I don't really agree with all of the uh, base arguments around this, but I do like the fact that I get these types of questions so that we can sort of examine them and um, have our own little bit of back and forth about it. So do you guys believe, let me know in chat, that Satanists 
are actually confined within a mental cage made up of our understanding of our own religion and how other peoples perceive us and our religion. Does that confine us as an individual? Are we allowed to, and whether or not you can use it to your advantage or not, those suppositions that others have, are we in fact caged because of it? And you can make the argument for any religion uh, or any institution that anyone is a part of. Does the adherence to those sets of ideals, whether they come naturally or not, limit you and cage your mind in some way? What do you think? All right, so what are you guys saying here? William, uh, some very interesting thoughts. Humans have emotions, and without them, you're right, they would essentially be zombies. Uh, this is a level of navel-gazing that I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, hey, Scarlett, congratulations for making it. It's great to have you here. Thanks for joining us. You feel like we're putting lipstick on the pig to avoid the fact that we're somewhat talented monkeys. <laughs> I like that. Uh, without emotional ability, yes, we would be zombies or automatons. I do not believe it's a choice, however. Conditions throughout a person's life have the most impact on them. Nature v. nature. Uh, the human species is just a higher animal. With reason, we empathize, we make conscious decisions, hopefully with empirical fact. This does separate us from the rest of the animals on this planet. As far as we understand, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think this is a conversation that only happens when one has already accepted herd morality. Now, that's an interesting thought. Uh, we want to believe that it separates us from the animals. Yeah, that's why I said, uh, as far as we understand this thus far, because we don't, we don't actually understand animals. You know, to our own limited degree that we place ourselves higher on the, uh, you know, existence of importance of existing chain, we look down upon the animal kingdom and say, yes, you know, we, we understand them as much as anyone could ever understand them. But the truth is, is animals are always surprising, surprising scientists and observers, always. And so I don't think that we fully understand um, the, the very part of nature that we come out of. You know, we, we like to put ourselves on a pedestal, and I don't think there's always good reason for that. Um, you do find, Satan, find Satanism confining. I don't necessarily consider myself an atheist because I believe in the existence of levels of reality beyond human perception. Interesting. Okay, I'd like to understand more about what you mean by levels of reality. Uh, you think it frees us as the individual because we are opening our minds to more things and not locking ourselves into the moral cages of other belief systems. Okay, but let's, you know, there's always the other side of that and saying we're not confining ourselves to other people's religions, but we are confining ourselves to our own. Um, and there are very dogmatic Satanists that will not entertain anything outside of the religion or established agreed scientific fact. So that limits the adventuring side of our imagination of possibility. It limits us from, it limits us from exploration of various ideas in some cases because they're just not true yet, you know? And I would argue that you can't find an uncomfortable third side to a question unless you entertain adventurous pseudoscientific ideas to realize whether or not they're pseudoscientific in the first place. Be open to ideas that are sort of ridiculous because you may find it shifts your perspective, uh, you know, of, of what you perceive as fact. And certainly what we as a human species have agreed as fact has constantly changed throughout all of human history. I mean, it's even reverting. I mean, there's people that believe in flat earth now. And that, that, that was not a, a massive shared idea before the internet. You know, thousands of years ago it was, but... <laughs> You know, just a hundred years ago or so, it was not a common idea, but you can find massive amounts of people that believe it. Um, all right, I'm not going to put up that, Andres. I'm not sure of the context there. Uh, what did Dallas say? You believe everyone to some degree is caged based off past experiences and emotions, but at least Satanism allows you to unlock the cage when needed. It certainly gives you keys. Yes. And that, again, it empowers the individual to find ways of, of exercising their notions and challenging their failures and perceptions. But again, it's always up to the individual. And that's why you're going to run across Satanists who are very narrow-minded and ignorant and just as, as, as 
abjectly stupid as any other human being out there. You're going to find some that don't mind challenging their own ideas and, and making themselves look stupid by exploring um, different concepts, or, you know, from third parties and stuff. But you're also going to find some that are very, very narrow and say, look, you know what? If it's not the standard Bible, I just don't care and I'm not going to read it and it's not Satanism to me. That's why you have Satanists who, who believe in greater magic as something that changes uh, reality. And you have some that think it's just psychodrama. And then you have some that don't believe in it at all and don't even practice it at all. So that's what's so great about us is that we vary so much. Uh, and it's always interesting to question whether or not we're caged based on our own ideas or by others' ideas. Now, none of us wrote the Satanic Bible. We all read it and said, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's, that's exactly what I think. So are we then confined by what someone else wrote? I think it's, it's a healthy thing to question, a healthy idea to question for sure. And finding your own answers, I think, is going to be the most important thing to do. Uh, okay, so that being said, let's move on to the next topic. Infernal Informant. throw up an image and we will get into this. An arms race in America, gun buying spiked during the pandemic, and it's still up. This is from the New York Times. It was another week after another horrific mass shooting in cities across the country. Gun homicides were climbing. Democrats and Republicans argue over the causes. President Biden said enough. But beneath the time-worn political cycle on guns in the United States, the country's appetite for firearms has only been increasing, with more being bought by more Americans than ever before. While gun sales have been climbing for decades, they often spike in election years and after high-profile crimes. Americans have been on an unusual prolonged buying spree fueled by the coronavirus pandemic, the protests last summer, and fears that both stoked. In March last year, federal background checks, a rough proxy for purchases, topped 1 million in a week for the first time since the government began tracking them in 1998. And the buying continued through the protests in the summer and the election in the fall, until the week this spring broke the record with 1.2 million background checks. Quote, there's a surge in purchasing unlike anything we've ever seen, said Dr. Garen J. Wintermute, a gun research, uh, researcher at University of California, Davis. Usually it slows down, but this just keeps going. Not only were people who already had guns buying more, but people who had never owned one were buying them too. Uh, new preliminary data from Northeastern University at the Harvard Injury Control Center uh, Research Center shows that about a fifth of all Americans who bought guns last year were first-time gun owners, and the data, which has not been previously released, showed that the new owners were less likely than the usual to be male and white. Half were women, a fifth were black, and a fifth were Hispanic. In all, the data found that 39% of American households own guns. That is up from 32% in 2016, according to the General Social Survey, a public opinion poll conducted by a research center at the University of Chicago. Researchers said it was too early to tell whether the uptick represented a reversal from the past 20 years in which ownership was basically flat. Americans are in an arms race with themselves, said Marquis Harris Dawson, who represents a South Los Angeles uh, represents South Los Angeles, where the surge in gun violence has been particularly sharp in the city council. There was just as much a run on guns as on toilet paper in the beginning of the pandemic. Now the gun debate is, once again, taking center stage. The time at a moment of hardening political divisions and deepening distrust. Sales usually spike around elections, but the sheer volume this time is notable. It also gives a worrying glimpse into the way Americans view one another as people they want to protect themselves from. As the country's major political parties move further apart, 
so does the legislation that flows from them. And like voting rights and abortion, guns are no exception. This month, Texas became the 20th state to pass legislation that says a permit is not required to carry a concealed handgun, according to Ann S. Teagan, an expert in the National Conference of State Legislatures, Illinois and the city of San Jose, California, where nine people were killed in a mass shooting this past week, are considered bills that would tax things like ammunition and certain types of guns. There is no single reason for the surge, but social scientists point to many potential drivers. There's a breakdown in trust and a breakdown in a shared common reality, said Liliana Mason, a political scientist at the University of Maryland, who writes about political violence. There is also all this social change, and social change is scary. Many gun store workers report the last year's set record for sales, and also that they notice different types of buyers walking into the door. Thomas Harris, a former law enforcement officer who works at the gun counter at Sportsman Warehouse in Roanoke, Virginia, said that around March last year, the customers he would sp uh, speak with began to include more white-collar workers, such as people from insurance firms and software companies. He said many of the buyers were not conservative, and most had never handled a gun. Outside of seeing something on TV or in a movie, they knew nothing about them, he said, adding that they did not know how to load a gun or what a caliber was. He said many of these apparent first-time buyer purchases more... I'm sorry, many of the apparent first-time buyers purchased more expensive guns in the range of $400 or more. The purpose, he said, was not to carry a gun around in public, but to keep it at home. They were saying, we're going to be locked down, we're constrained to our homes, we want to keep safe. The Northeastern and Harvard data come from a survey from 19,000 people conducted in April. Researchers found that about 6.5% of American adults bought guns in 2020, or about 17 million people. That was up about 5.3% in 2019, said Dr. Matthew Miller, a professor of epidemiology at Northeastern, who conducted the study with Deborah Azrael, a researcher at Harvard. While about a fifth of gun buyers last year were first-time buyers, the, shared, the share was about the same in 2019, he said, suggesting that the trend did not start with the pandemic. As for gun owners, overall in 2021, he said, 63% were male, 73% were white, 10% were black, and 12% were Hispanic. The pandemic accelerated a trend of rising gun sales, according to Trace, a news outlet that tracks gun sales purchases having been ri uh, rising steadily over the past decade, with a jump around the beginning of 2013 after the Sandy Hook shooting. Sales did not change much under former President Donald J. Trump, but they exploded in 2020, up by 64% from the previous year. The single highest month last year was in June, as protests swept across the country after the murder of George Floyd. Okay, so I don't think I need to read the rest of this to, to dive into the point here. I thought it was really fascinating that... Sorry, I had to put these on because it's getting harder and harder to read this stuff. Um... It's fascinating when you take the approach of firearm enthusiasts want to be able to own as much and of any style of firearm traditionally because they just love them. They enjoy going out to the range and firing them. They love going hunting generally. Um, they just love what the machine is. And you can't fault someone for that. Um, new buyers that are spiking in recent years don't share that idea. They're not buying them because they adore them. They're buying them because they want to protect themselves from other Americans. Not like when I was growing up and you had Red Dawn released and it was, you know, Russians, it was the end of the Cold War. Russians were coming and invading America and the young kids had to go in the mountains and fight off the Ruskies. Um, that's not the reality that is right now. The reality that's right now are regardless of family income, social status, people are buying firearms to protect themselves from each other. And this is not something where you can get to a point where you're like, okay, I own a personal firearm, I own a rifle, I own a shotgun for home defense, I'm okay now. Whew. No. It's buying more and more firearms and stocking up on ammo. Is this a self-fulfilling prophecy that we're creating? It's fear that's driving most of these actions, and I have to admit, I fed into this. I was really freaking out when people were stockpiling toilet paper at the beginning of last year. 
And you had to have limits on what you could purchase at different stores if you could find them. Resources were running scarce because people were just in buying panics. And so you start to think, well, the social fabric is breaking. We're going, we're, we're, we're a couple months away from Mad Max, you know? And that's what a lot of people thought. Uh, you know, I wasn't the only one that gave into fear. And I've, I've, I've prided myself my entire adult life of not giving into fear. And this past year has changed it. And when I take a step back and I look at the decisions I made, I have to objectively say that it wasn't for rational thought that those decisions were made. It was reactionary. I became the very thing that I made fun of. Now, I enjoy going to the range before I even owned firearms. I grew up going to ranges and using firearms. I was taught how to properly use a firearm in Cub Scouts when I was a kid. So it's not like I come from some weird place where people just don't believe in guns. I just never needed one in the house. If I needed to protect myself, I've got a bat and I've got a pretty big knife. <laughs> and I feel pretty comfortable with my own self-defense capability. But last year changed things, and not just for me. And to see that echoed, my own fear echoed in a moment, extrapolated out to the populace of America, it's a terrifying notion. And I, I do genuinely believe that this is a self-fulfilling prophecy that we're creating. Not only does more guns in hands of people who are not enthusiasts, not members of ranges and understand, have never taken a self-defense course, don't know how to handle them, as this article has clearly stated for the vast majority of new buyers. That's where accidents come from. That's, that's how accidental murders and more suicides come out. And I don't care about the suicides part. If you're going to kill yourself, fuck you, kill yourself. I don't care. Um, I don't know you. But, I mean, for the health of a society, it's not a good thing. And the other side of that is to say, well, then only people who are trained should have the firearms. But then you run into this sort of firearm class system. You have the warrior society and you have the peasant society, those who protect and those who need to be protected. And you can argue that that's the society we live in now, and I couldn't really make solid argument against it um but it would then just be reinforced that much more so what do we do my argument would be that if people want to buy firearms fine let them buy firearms you know that's that's fine but we need to make sure that for all of those ignorant people buying them ignorant means uninformed that they become informed and i get kickback from so many firearm enthusiasts on this point it's ridiculous. There's a guy who left this diatribe on one of my last videos where I talked about firearms saying how ignorant and stupid I was. You should go look it up. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. Their argument is that you should not make people license their firearms. You should not make people take tests and prove they know how to use the firearm and that firearms don't make society more dangerous. Yet how can you have that argument when people don't know how to use them and thus cause accidents with them. One of these things is not like the other. Like the logic does not stack up for me. So let people buy whatever the fuck they want to buy, but make sure they take courses to understand how to properly maintain, store, and use them. Is that some crazy leftist communist propaganda? No. That's common motherfucking sense. <laughs> I don't understand why anyone would be against that idea. And because my personal opinion of types of firearms not being necessary for home use or for personal protective use, you know, we can make that argument back and forth all day. But the fundamental fact that ignorant people owning more firearms equaling more danger is just sound logic proven by data. I highly recommend you check out this article in its entirety. I don't have time to go into it in its entirety here now, but it's, it's worth examining. And if you are a firearm enthusiast, more power to you. No one's coming to take your guns. <laughs> They're not. 
I know you're afraid there, but they're not. Um, that being said, wouldn't you want the other people who have firearms to under understand how to properly use them, maintain and store them? Like, that's just... All right. So, let's see. What are you guys saying here? Um, you got to chill and stop mistaking the surface waves for the underlying current. Not sure the context of that. Don't forget, cycles repeat. Do what I do. <laughs> the dog abides. Um, it'll turn to feudalism, says Dallas. Well, if we don't have guns, then the criminals will get it regardless. Um, <laughs> no one's saying... I, I, all right. I don't mean any, I don't mean to talk shit to you, dude. Um, I don't know you. But I think that's a bullshit argument. Because the fact is, is that your right to own a gun is granted by the state, by the federal government. Once they take it away and you say you want to keep it, you are then the criminal that you're talking about. So the idea that only criminals will have guns, well, yeah, no shit. Of course, if they took them away. But then that always makes you fall back on the reality of it. And no one is coming to take all of your guns. No one. If they can actually pass some form of legislation that limits accessories or types of firearms, that's still not coming to take your guns. So we've got to stop with these nonsensical arguments as if it's like, well, that solved that problem. <laughs> you can't argue that. No, it's a ridiculous conversation to have. All right. That being said, you're not the first person I've seen say that, and so I'm not, I'm not trying to talk shit to you. It's just the argument itself is so trite. It's so ridiculous. And it's done by people who would then be the criminals that they're talking about. So ridiculous. Anarchy and civil armament, the way to go. Well, you can argue we're pretty close to that now. We got half of it. We got the civil armament. <laughs> We just need the anarchy. Uh, all right, so that's all I had for this topic. Um, you know, people are going to base their perceptions of your ideas on snippets rather than actually exploring the ideas or running the logic through, looking at the data. I've done so many shows on firearms going back almost for like 15 years now. I'm, I'm sorry, that's, that's a straight up fucking lie. Almost for five years now. I can't remember when I did my first one. I've only been doing this for a decade, so clearly not 15 years. Um, I think I, it was like five years ago I did my first firearm show, maybe a little bit more. Um, I've been doing this for years, and I get so many different people with so many different opinions um, sharing those opinions and stats and data that when you actually look at the data, it's not as bad as anyone who's anti-firearm makes it out to be. And um, it's never as safe as the proponents for firearms make it out to be. You know, a, a safe society is a, an armed society. That's not, this is not true. Because those legal citizens owning those firearms can quickly turn criminal simply by just reacting and shooting someone. Then they become a criminal. Then they're just criminals who have guns. So we, we gotta stop with the whole idea of, you know, only law-abiding citizens um, can own guns because every every criminal was once a law-abiding citizen. It's ridiculous. Okay, anyway, it is very much the American way. I agree with you there, dog. Okay, that being said, um, let's move on to the next. Oh yeah, this is going to be, this is the best, okay? I, I hope you guys appreciate this stuff. If you don't, tap out of the show. I love this. Um, let's do a little creature feature. Okay. Okay. Nita, I need to respond to a comment. I wasn't going to do this, but you're making me. Deputy Andy one. Anarchy sucks all logic, breaks down, and it's psychologically taxing to be around. You're right. I've had two toddlers. I know exactly what anarchy is like. <laughs> 
magnetized threads weave spectacular galactic tapestry. Threads of superheated gas and magnetic fields are weaving a tapestry of energy at the center of the Milky Way galaxy. This new image of the cosmic masterpiece was made using a giant mosaic of data from NASA's Chandra X-ray Observatory and the Meerkat Radio Telescope in South Africa. Hubble captures a captivating spiral. This image shows the spiral galaxy NGC 5037 in the constellation of Virgo. silver lining. This image taken with the NASA ESA Hubble Space Telescope showcases the emission nebula NGC 2313. Jets are powered by the gravitational energy of a supermassive black hole in the core of the elliptical galaxy Hercules A. taken by the Expedition 7 crew on board the International Space Station in 2003. That's what I had today. I love that stuff. Those images. Just next level shit. And no matter what seemingly meaningless arguments that we have, no matter how much we start dividing ourselves as a species down manufactured lines, we have only to look up to realize that we really are insignificant 
and our problems are even more so. And it's our choice whether or not our opinions lead to hate or physical violence. It's not an inevitability. It's not written in the stars. We just saw them. I didn't see it. It's a choice you make. You can focus on you and developing yourself, or you can focus on others and tearing them down. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another Nine Cents. I really appreciate you. I know I didn't go through and, and call you all, all by name, but you know I really appreciate it when you come on and, and you share your time with me throughout this broadcast. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. And until then, you know, Satan. <laughs>